Moses, right? Uh, we're going to be with, we're going to be with him for a while, so just get comfortable with him. We're going to be in chapter three this morning, and then part of chapter four. All right. Uh, what's ironic is that from chapter one to chapter three in verse one is eighty years. Uh, we talked about his mom. We talked about the idea that they were in uh, uh, the way that it was all set up, and that. Uh, they were supposed to put him to death, but she trusts God and puts him in a basket. And uh, the next thing you know, uh, Jacobet and Amran, as his parents, are actually raising him for a short period of time. He spends 40 years in Egypt. Uh, and in Egypt, he learns a lot. And you're going to see that this morning. You're going to see where this comes into play this morning. And then uh, he comes uh, to the end of 40 years. He watches an Egyptian beat a Hebrew, and he steps in and kills the Egyptian. Then... Next day, he sees two Hebrews fighting. He goes in and steps in there. And they say, you're going to kill us like you killed the guy yesterday. And he realizes he's going to be found out. So Moses takes off running. Uh, we find him uh, in Midian. So he's gone 40 years now. He's now on his own. No longer in the palace. No longer surrounded by all of the stuff. Uh, Moses now finds himself uh, sitting by a well. Uh, uh, Jethro's daughters come up to basically uh, water their flocks, and as they're watering their flocks, uh, a bunch of shepherds come up and try to run them off, and Moses steps in and takes care of them. And for the first time in, in the story of life of Moses, we see Moses serving somebody, which is phenomenal considering that for 40 years everybody's waited on him. Uh, the girls go back. Dad says, uh, they tell him the story, and he says, well, where is the guy? And they went, oh, we left him back there. And they're like, well, go get him. He comes back, um, ends up marrying uh, one of his daughters by the name of Zephora. Um, they have a child. And uh, that's where we're going to pick up the story this morning. Moses has now been a shepherd in the desert for 40 years. So we... He gets married, has a kid, and now all of a sudden he finds himself in the desert. And he's been taking care of sheep. He's been living a desert life for almost 40 years. Now, what's important, and you're going to hear me talk about this a lot today, but we're, we don't realize that God's been working in Moses' life for 80 years in obscurity. And we're going to talk about Moses. We always talk about the last 40 years of Moses' life, but... Twice that amount of time was spent in obscurity. Twice that amount of time was spent God preparing him for the last 40 years. Just like in the life of Christ. When you read the Gospels, you read about the last three years of Christ. Really, when you, when you pinpoint it on a timetable, it's really the last 18 months of Christ. And yet for three, 30 years, he is being doing these things, getting him ready for this last three years of his life. And, and the challenge to that for us is this. You know, sometimes you get frustrated because God's not doing something now, 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 now. 80 years Moses dealt with God's not doing something now, 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 now. But when God gets ready, it happens, it starts rolling fast, okay? So with that in mind, here we are, Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. He came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So apparently everybody knew this was kind of God's mountain. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Now, let me just stop right here for a second. Anytime you see angel of the Lord in the Bible, pay attention. The question now becomes, is it an angel or is it God? Okay, 
And, and you're going to see how you know the difference in a minute. All right. Um, it says, the Lord appeared to him in flames from a bush. Moses saw the bush was on fire and it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now, trust me, as somebody who works with fire, as somebody who works in glass blowing, uh, it does not take much for something to burn up. Uh, when we put a hot piece of glass on wood, it will start the wood on fire almost instantly. So when you see something that's, not, that's on fire and it's not being burned up, you have to go, okay, there's something strange here. There's something uniquely strange here. And so Moses heads over to check it out. Uh, and notice what happens next. It says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to the look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. So not only do we have a burning bush, we have a talking bush. Okay? At this point, you've got it, your curiosity is up, believe me. All right? Now Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Here's how you know it's God. God demands worship. Angels do not. Anytime you see, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground, that's God. Right? Um, when you see encounters with angels in the Bible, they don't ask them that. The angels at, at the birth of Christ didn't say, take off your shoes. They were angels. Um, when, when uh, at the story of uh, Jericho uh, and all that, and whose side are you on? It's like, take off your shoes. He's talking to God. Okay. So anytime you see that, um, notice it says, Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Point number two, anytime somebody encounters God, they are scared, and it's not something they embrace. It's something that they shy away from. I.e., you hear somebody account, well, God spoke to me. Question, did you take off your shoes, and did you hit the ground bowing before him? Because if it was God, those are two things that happen right away. So when somebody starts saying, well, God spoke to me and God did this and God did that. And I know from God and I know that it was God and da, 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 da. If we're talking about an encounter like this, it doesn't line up with Scripture. Because when people encountered God in Scripture, first of all, they were scared to death they were going to die. And secondly, they, what they, where they were was holy and sacred and special and was not a buddy-buddy kind of thing. It was a big deal. So notice what happened. At this, Moses hid his face uh, because he was afraid to look at God. So let's just talk about this for a second. <clears throat> Here, here's a big point. Um, what's Moses doing? When God shows up, what's Moses doing? What? Ten in his flock. Is this day any different in the life of Moses than the last 365 days over 40 years. Nope. Moses didn't get up going, I'm seeking God today. I want to know God's face. Moses got up. He did what he did every day for the last 40 years. That's an important principle. When God shows up, first of all, I'm going to say God is showing up. You just don't see him. But when, when, when God shows up to get you to do something or... 
it is often in the, in the idea of the ordinary. What God does is extraordinary. But it happens in the context of ordinary. Uh, we're in a world that looks for all of these super experiences. You know, well, you know, I have people, you know, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to go like meditate in a monastery for four days and see if God speaks to me. Can God speak? Yeah, we have situations like that in the Bible. You want to know when God's really going to tug on your heart and really impress something on your heart? Probably in the same way that you have done your life for the last umpteen years. Moses is just taking care of sheep. He got up. He fed the sheep. He got the sheep to a nice place where they could eat and drink. And, and he's walking around and he goes to the, he went to this other side because there was probably more grass there. And he's taking care of him and he's standing there and he goes, well, that's odd. I'm going to go see what that is. I mean, again, how, how, come on, it's, it's taking care of sheep. How many exciting things do you think happen in an average day? He looks at it going, that looks like that's on fire. Well, it ain't burning up. I've I got to go find out why it's not burning up. Nothing supernatural here. He goes over and he sees it, and as he gets closer, and God sees him getting closer, God speaks. So now he's got a talking bush on fire. He's going, well, this is going to be a good day. This is the day unlike any other day I've ever had for 40 years. This is the most exciting thing that's happened in my life in 40 years. And all of a sudden, he realizes it's God. Now, here's the thing, and, and this is important for you and I to understand. God's been at work in Moses' life for 80 years. Moses didn't see him for 80 years. Moses just gone through his life. But when we go through it, God has been preparing him for 80 years for this moment. And yet, God has always been at work around Moses. Moses just didn't see it. Now, all of a sudden, God shows, God shows up to show himself personally to Moses. He goes, hey, Moses, here I am. And so Moses now comes up. He's scared to death because it's God. And now God is going to do the big ask. And let me tell you something. This is a big ask. So know what, notice what he says. And now he goes on. There's a whole bunch of stuff in between. I've got to shorten it up so we're not reading all, all the chapter. But... Um, Here's comes to the end of it. Here's what God says. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I've seen the way the Egyptians are opposing them, oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Okay, stop right here. The last time Moses had a, an encounter with Pharaoh was what? Pharaoh was trying to kill him. Pharaoh said, you're a dead man for what you did. And now God says, Moses, I want you to go back and... I want you to be the one to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. You, Moses, are going to go up against the most powerful person in the world. One-on-one. -on -one. Um, and, by the way, before you're going to do this, you're going to have to convince all the people to get behind you to do this. So that's a whole other deal. Um, I mean, you want to talk about... Um, you want to talk about some real leadership principles? Wow. Uh, so notice what it says. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? In other words, uh, there are better people than me. You know, I've done the shepherd thing for 40 years, and this is kind of just okay for me. I don't need to be in charge of anything. And God said, I will be with you. 
And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. He said, Moses, he said, we're going to bring all the people here and you guys are going to worship here. He said, that's ultimately what's going to happen. Um, and so you have this whole idea. And Moses says to God, okay, all right, so you want me to go and you want me to convince the Israelites to follow me and go against Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world, in the known world. Suppose they go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of the fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Okay, this is a big deal. You're going to see this when we get into the plague. Um, it was a polytheistic world. It was a world in which they worshipped many, 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 many gods. Every god had a thing. Every god had a name. Every god had a power. Every god had an ability. And so when Moses goes to the children of Israel and says, Hey, um, I want my, our god, my God's going to deliver you. The first thing they're going to know is who's your God? Which God is going to do it? It's going to be Ray. It's going to be which God? And so notice what he says. He says, uh, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. You're going to tell them the great I am has sent you. Uh, we talked about this when we went through the book of John. Um, this is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and you shall call me from generation to generation. He said, you're going to go to them, and you're going to tell them, I am has sent you. I am that I am has sent you. The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, that's the God who is going to lead us out. Um, and then what you're going to have now is uh, you're going to have a whole series now of things that are going to happen uh, with, with Moses and God. Um, one of the things that, that, that's going, uh, we'll just, I'll jump into it. Um, Oh, 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 oh. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord didn't appear to you? He said, OK. He said, here's a problem. He said, I'm going to go to them. It's just going to see this words. How they're going to know for sure. And uh, God gives them three signs. Anybody know what they are? Huh? Anybody know what they are? There's three signs that Moses gets to take before the children of Israel and ultimately before Pharaoh. Anybody know what they are? Huh? The staff, the rod. He gives him a rod. What does he do with it? He says, throw it on the ground. It's a snake. Okay, it turns into a snake. Then he says, pick it up. He picks it up. Now it's a rod again. Pretty cool trick. Um, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty amazing. In fact, um, we'll get to that when we get to the plagues. Um, some of the miracles, some of the miracles they were able to duplicate through trickery. Um, this is one, by the way, that they're able to do. But when they do it, when the, um, when the magicians are able to duplicate this in front of Pharaoh and say, see, Pharaoh, see, we can do that too. So they, they turn a bunch of rods into snakes and Moses' snake eats up all the other snakes. And it's kind of like, uh, okay, you might be able to do it, but my snake's bigger than your snake. Um, and then when he reaches it, takes it up, it becomes a rod again. What's the second one? Yeah, water to blood. Water to blood. Um, we'll get to this when we get to that plague. But you need to understand that in this culture, the Nile River was everything. Um, it was the life center of all of Egypt. Everything was about the Nile. Uh, really cool thing for those of you who are longtime Bible students. Moses is, means what? Drawn out of the water. Um, 
And so uh, this is a big deal. So pours out water, turns to blood. Blood, big, big blood, blood, symbol of life, water, symbol of life. Uh, he does that. And then what was the third one? Anybody remember? The leprosy. Yeah. Uh, when you became a leper, you were an outcast. So God said, stick your hand in your coat, stick your hand in your coat, pull it out. It's leprosy. You would have freaked out at that point. And as he's freaking out, God says, stop, hang on, put it back in. Now it's whole again. He said, now, so, so here's what you do, Moses. You go and you tell them I am, I sent you. And if they start questioning it, here's what you do. Take your stick, throw it on the ground, pick it up. Pour water out of a pitcher, it'll turn to blood. Put your hand in your coat, it's leprosy, put it back around. At that point, they will know there's something special about you. And that your God has to be pretty powerful if he can do those kinds of things. Um, uh, particularly on a whim. Again, they were not, and, and I don't, it's so hard to not go on rabbit trail. Uh, but they were not meant as a sign to, um, to entertain. They were a sign to confirm the message that God had sent him. And so, uh, so you'd think now, okay, I mean, again, you've now seen this. You've watched this happen. So do you go? I mean, no. I mean, do you do what God's asking you to do? God's going to be with you, right? Um, yeah. So <laughs> Moses said to the Lord, I love this. I love this idea. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, but I have never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. You know what Moses says? He goes, look, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not the guy to go before Pharaoh. Now, I'm going to tell you two things. Number one, uh, he's lying. Okay? Because here's how, here, there's two ways that I say that. The reason I say the Bible doesn't say it, that's my opinion. Here's why I say that. Number one. He spent 40 years in Pharaoh's court. I don't care what kind of speech impediment you had. The best of the best of the best of the best would have made sure that it was fixed. Because you were being groomed to be the leader in Pharaoh's court. We're going to make sure you can speak well. Second thing. When you read the story of Moses. Okay, guess who does all the talking? Moses. Okay. But again, I think he's sitting there going, he, again, this is a big ask. And he goes, he goes I, I'm slow to speak, Lord, you've got to go get somebody else to do it. I'm not, I can't do this. Listen to what God says. The Lord said unto him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I'll help you speak. You can teach you what to say. You're right. You may not be a good speaker. I'll give you that. But you don't have to be the speaker. You just have to open your mouth. I'll fill it. That's the deal. You just do it. You be willing. I'll take care of it from there. That's what God says to him. Now, at this point, you would say what? Yeah, no. <laughs> Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. <laughs> um. There are better guys than I. There are other people who can do it, God. And at this point, God starts to get angry. And he burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? Now, I don't know this for sure, so I'm just speculating here. 
Aaron was the older brother. Moses is the youngest of the children. How much would it bother you if I looked at you and said, well, I'll just get your older brother to do it. And Moses basically, God looks at him and says, all right, you won't do it. I'll tell you what to say. You can tell Aaron what to say, and then Aaron can say it. That's how we're going to play this out, Moses, if you really want to do this. And it ends up being Moses is the one who does all the talking. From, you know, you, don't, you hardly ever see Aaron speaking. That's the amazing thing in the story. Um, all right, so, um, and then he, uh, let's see. Oh, oh, I'm hitting the wrong button. What? Is there another slide there, guys? It should be my Moses slide, I think. Is it on there or not? Oh, okay. Oh, there we are. Okay, good. All right. Um, let's talk about some takeaways to help us this week, okay, as we go throughout the week. Here's the first thing. This was life-changing for me as a pastor and probably impacted this ministry. It's probably one of the most pivotal things that impacted this ministry that you don't under, probably don't know about. Years ago, Henry Blackaby wrote a book, and um, I did a study through it. And in his book... Um, he, he, he talks about this story. And one of the things that he, he talks about is that the principle of the book, one of the overriding principles of the book is this. God is always at work around you. But you don't see him most of the time. I.e., 80 years in the life of Moses. Henry Blackaby's principle is this. Rather than going out and trying to create something and asking God to join you in with it. Why don't you just open your eyes and pray about things where God's already at work, and then jump in and join God in what He's already doing? And I watch a lot of my pastor friends, that's what they do. They look at it and they go, okay, we need this program in order to attract these people, in order to do this thing. Whereas what we've tried to do as a board is say, okay, let's kind of steer away from that idea. Let's try to open our eyes to where God's at work. And when we see God at work in certain situations, let's see what we can do to come alongside and jump in and be a part of what God's already started and where God's already working. You saw that happen this, this Christmas. We went into Christmas doing our Christmas baskets like we always do. Because we've seen that meet a need. God's already been at work all year. You've been praying for these people. Let's give you another tool. Um, Jay Hogendyke stands up and talks about somebody he had an opportunity to help that past week, that single mom. Everybody responded by saying, well, we want to do something. We want to jump in and help you, Jay. And Jay goes, well, we pretty much got it all cared up. But so Jay and Melissa started going, where could we use some of these resources? And all of a sudden... Cameron, who's already been working at Hope Street, finds out there's a need there and there's a way for us to jump in and help him and the director who are already trying to reach these people. And so we were able to come in and go, let's jump in where God's, are. God's been working at Hope Street for the whole year. We didn't know it. But when it's presented in front of us, jump in and help God. Not help God, but jump in and be a part of what God's doing. Does that make sense? And, and the challenge here is Moses is going along, and all of a sudden he sees the bush and he steps in, and the next thing you know, God's got a, a, a project for him. Here's my challenge to you. 
whatever world you're in, God's at work this week. So find out where he's working. It might be a neighbor, it might be a relative, it might be a friend, it might be someone. Find out where God's working and see what you can do to join God in what he's doing. He's already at work. You don't need to create something else. And you go, well, that's not my thing. You know, it's not, it, it may not be your thing, but it can be a way God can use you this week. And you get the blessing of being able to sit back and go, wow. And God's been at work. God is at work. Just find out where. Um, second thing is this. Um, Moses didn't realize how big a deal, how, how important this was. God had invested 80 years to bring Moses to this question, to this moment. And what's Moses do? Nope, I'm not your guy. Hey, God, I know you've been preparing me for 80 years, but really, there's a better guy. Oh, God, I really can't talk. Can you go get somebody who's a better speaker than me? No, Moses, you're my guy. There's nobody on this planet, Moses, that is a Hebrew that understands the Egyptian culture better than you. You were born in it. You were, you were brought up in it. You know how to conduct yourself in it. You know the protocol. When you walk into that, into, into standing before Pharaoh, and there's all of the gold, and there's all the statues, and there's all the army, and there's everything else, you're not going to be intimidated by it. You know why? Because you grew up in this for 40 years. You were surrounded by this. You're my guy, Moses. But Moses went, Oh, I think there's better people than me. You know what? Maybe they were, but they weren't God's guy. You're God's person. He's prepared you. You have a whole series of life events that has brought you, developed you to who you are and where you are in life. And God says, look, I want to use you. And you go, oh, you know, let's just, let me call the pastor. Let me have him meet the pastor. The pastor will take care of it. No, I'm starting at zero. I don't know him. I don't have the relationship you have with him. I'm starting at a loss. I'm starting at a handicap. Do I have more knowledge in you? Probably. Do I have a better opportunity and chance to reach them? No. Because I haven't invested in a relationship like you have. You are the best person. I would much rather you come to me with all your questions and I'll help you to help them. Then it's a win, 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 win all the way across the board. Because I have my own world of people. That you know what? You can't reach because you're not in their world. God's put me in their world. And I, want to, I, I really want you to understand this because here's what I deal with so often are people who go, God can't use me. Yes, he can. Moses is a great example of that. And he has prepared you. All of your life history, all your life stories, all your life journey is all part of that package of who you are. And the last thing is this. It's really easy to make excuses. It's really easy to make excuses. You know one of the reasons we do lay later like we do lay later? Because I know that when you stand up there, you're scared to death, and that it is God who's going to speak through you. 
I mean, think about my job for a minute. Just think about it for a second. The things that I say from a pulpit in front of all the people that are here. You really think I'm that good? Talk to my wife. I mean, I babble at home. I talk to myself. You know? No. It's things that God has prepared in my heart to share with you that God's been doing. Ask the guys in the back. They have my notes. And they're like, he was supposed to say all this stuff. I don't know where he is. That's why I went to the clicker, because I was driving them nuts back there trying to keep up with where I was. Why? Because it's God speaking through you and God using you. And so my prayer every Sunday, every time I have an opportunity to open the Bible, is God, let speak through me. Speak through me. I, it's dependent upon God, not upon me. And, and that's what's so important. Same thing. You say, well, I don't know. I'm afraid that person will ask me questions that I don't have answers for. Then you know what? You look at them and go, you know what? I don't have the answer for that. But, I, you know, I'll, I'll go find it out if it's that important to you. Be real. Chances are good you'll come up with something and you'll get back in your car, you'll get back on your way home and you'll go, I don't know how, I don't know where that came from. God, I made your mouth, I can fill it. And that's the challenge, to let God use you, to open your mouth if you can, to step in and let God use you where, 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 where you can. And God will do incredible things. We have watched that play out over 20 some odd years of this ministry. And I just want to challenge you because the thing that, I guess the thing that, one of the things that frustrates me the most about country people is how much you underestimate yourself. And I want to slap you silly. I really do because it's like, do you understand, you know? I, I'm to the point, if you gave me a whole bunch of professional people and you gave me a bunch of farmers and said, choose who you want to go to the mission field with, I'll take those guys every day. Because I know they may not have the expertise, but they're not afraid to fail. They're not afraid to try stuff. They're not afraid to figure it out. And they will give it a shot, and they will figure out a way through it. And this group will look at it and go, well, we don't have those tools. We can't do it. And I just challenge you with this idea that, you know what, look, let God use you. And you go, well, there's, there's other people who are better. Yes. So what? They're not the one that God's speaking to out of a bush. You're the one that's sitting there going through your job and God's impressing you on your heart. You know what? You ought to go talk to that person. You ought to go say something to that person. You, know, you ought to try to encourage you. You need to take them to lunch. You need to ask them about their family. It's not me. It's not somebody who's a better speaker or somebody who's more qualified or somebody who, it's you. So let God use you. And I just want to challenge you because I'm telling you, this is the thing you see with Moses. Moses says, yes, finally. And God goes, okay, now we can do something. And, and when you read what Moses does, holy cow, it's amazing. So I just want to shine. So I end with this. God is at work around you. He's working on your life story. You may not see how the pieces fit together. He knows how they do. He will use you, but you've got to be willing and obedient. He has a mission field for you and a place for you in the world you live. Allow him to use you this week. Trust him to give you the words and the strength to be used.
Let's see what he's going to do. I guarantee you it will be an incredible journey uh, because my wife and I just shake our heads amazed at, at the journey that God has brought us on. Um, highs and lows and everything. Let him use you. Let him use you. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, Satan is so good at convincing us to have a bunch of excuses that really, Lord, don't fly. So use us. May we open to what you have this week. May you challenge our hearts. May you open our eyes. And when everything is said and done, Lord, may you be honored, may you be glorified, and may you use us this week, Lord, as we come to you as willing people. And uh, look forward to seeing what you're going to do. These things we ask in your name. Amen.